Ladies and gents, time flies when you're having fun. This is episode five of the Relax Running Podcast. I uh, I hope that time's flown for you. It's awkward if it's only me enjoying myself. What are you doing here, if that's the case? I'm not sure. Hey, uh, today I catch up with the national 5,000 metre champ, Jordan Guzman. Funny story, got to give a big shout out to Craig Huffer, uh, who yesterday I called and said, mate, I need to catch up with you for a run and to do a podcast he said, you can forget both of those things, but I'll put you in contact with Jordan Guzman, who's a, who's a local, a Hawthorne local. Um, I'd never met Jordan before today. I'd followed his racing pretty closely over the last few years, and I shot him a message this morning, quite forward, just saying, mate, super keen to catch up for a run. I'm just around the corner from you. can run as many times a week as you want. Also, let's record a podcast this afternoon. That's that's pretty – you can't get much more forward than that. So, uh uh, it worked out well. It worked out well for me anyway. I spent two and a half hours with the bloke today um, having some coffees, talking, running, and then we sat down for about an hour uh, just to record the chat, which is which is what we've got here. It was a, it was a really insightful conversation. The bloke is a, a freakishly talented runner. How's this for range? He's run 48 seconds for 400 metres, 148 for 800 metres, 337 for 1,500 metres, and 1,320 for 5K. He... Uh, he got the he got the great man Stewie McSwain over five k's at the national champs. I think it was earlier this year. Incredible race. The guy the guy can kick. He's just a, he's a freakish freakish talent. Uh, and I was really excited to have a chance to sit down with him because um, it'd be cool for you guys just to get some insight on uh, you know how this guy goes about his training and how he goes about dealing with injuries and and just the mindset of an of an elite athlete. So I picked his brain on as much of that as I could. Uh, it was a really good conversation. I, I really enjoyed myself and. Uh, and I know that uh, you know a few years ago when I was a, a young up and coming runner, the chance to sit down with a bloke of this caliber and just fire questions was was invaluable. So for any of you young athletes out there, I, I really encourage you to, to to pay a lot of attention to what this guy has to say because he's he's been through a lot of stuff that the the life of an elite athlete entails, and I, I think it'd be really handy stuff for, for you to learn now. So um, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll get out of your way. This is me and the great man Jordan Guzman. He's like, I'm going to put in a good word uh, for the recruitment coach. I'm like, man, I could not take a hit. Like, I broke my ribs. I'll be the same, man. I actually, it's funny you say because I, uh, I busted my ribs so good. Yeah. In my, it was like my first, I'd played three games. And uh, I remember my wife was was on the sideline, and I remember her saying, "Just don't be, just don't be too much of a pussy." Like, you know what I mean? If you're going to play footy, yeah, yeah. make sure you take a bump. Anyway, so I went in for the ball, and I got crunched, and I was like, "Just don't be a pussy." <laughs> like, and bro, I was on the ground, and I was like, I was struggling to breathe, uh-huh. and I was, I was like, I was gasping. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was like, I'm just winded. I got my breath, and I'm like, "Nah, that is tender." Like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that's not normal. Yeah, and. Uh, it turns out late that night, I, um, I had such bad, uh, I had such bad pain through here that I went and got it scanned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd fractured, I'd fractured oh, like two shit. or three of my ribs. Damn. And uh, the next day, I went to the, um, I remember just getting up, and it was almost, it just felt impossible to breathe. Or yeah, it was like yeah. a, it was like a gasping uh-huh. kind of feeling. Yeah, mine was interesting because I, I fell over like in the first two minutes of my run, and I kept going for like an hour or whatever, um, and I didn't, I. My heart rate was a little high and it was like I, I felt like a little uncomfortable to breathe, but it didn't really feel that bad. And then I went the whole week um, feeling okay. And then after that race, I don't know what it was about the track race, I guess just like running so intensely, maybe like just jarred it or something, I don't know. Um, it was pretty bad and then I slept on the pullout so far. So I had like the metal bar right at the ribs. <laughs> and after that, I woke up the next morning and went out for my long run. I literally couldn't breathe. And then I drove from Sydney to Melbourne oh my in the car, like sitting with the ribs. And I, I kept saying to my girlfriend, yeah, I think my ribs are like fractured. She's like, oh, you're just like being soft. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, okay. And I go see Karen and, you, you know, Karen, obviously, she's just like, you can walk in and she'll say, oh, your sinuses are bummed, whatever. Yeah. She literally like touches here. She's like, oh, I think your ribs are fractured. I'm like, oh, okay. Honestly, Karen I, Karen has a reputation. She can. She can just look I at your body and go. You know, I didn't believe her. I was like, no, surely not. Like I, I didn't just run that like with my ribs fractured. And it was a PB at the time as well. Um, and then she sent me for scans and two days later, she's like, oh, yeah, they're fractured. I'm like, oh. 
Wait, so that was, you were telling me actually before, so that race that you're speaking about running a PB, was that the one that you beat yeah. Stewie in? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was a, like, how do you, that's a bragging right right there, because I was impressed enough just watching this race and seeing the fact that you, you, rent, you know, you outran Stewie, yeah. but the fact that you've done it with broken ribs is just like a little <laughs> bit of street cred for you as well. But uh-huh. how, how long have you been living in Hawthorne for? Because I was, I was talking to Huff yesterday, uh-huh. and... Um, I was telling you earlier, I said, Huff, mate, I want you to, like, are you back in Melbourne? Let's team up for a run. Let's catch up. And he's like, mate, I'm busy, which is just Huff talk for, I'm not coming on for a little while. He goes, but get, get the gas on. He said, you're a neighbor. So, yeah. like, mate, you live 400 meters. I was stoked. I, I, speaking of fangirl, I fangirl when I realized there's a 30, 20 man in town. So how long have you been around the corner? Uh, I think since January. I probably spent more time overseas, honestly. Than yeah. I have okay. here. So I was, I moved in end of Jan. And I had January, February in Hawthorne. And then I went overseas and I've been back since end of July. So I, I probably have spent more time out of home than, than in home. But yeah, my, my dog and my girlfriend have been here for, <laughs> yeah. for the past year. So yeah, I think we'll stay put for a little while. So Yeah. So and you moved down from uh, New South, did you say, or Gold Coast? Um, yeah. So I lived in Coffs Harbour, which is just south of the Gold Coast. So I moved down from there to Canberra in 2014, I think. And yeah. Then, yeah, I moved down here in 2019. I tell you what, it's one of those things I um, I said to you before that we started that I was up in Sydney last week, went a little bit further north and thought I was in, in tanning town for the, yeah. for the rest of the year and I came back and it was just jump for time. So it would have been a big adjustment for you before you coming down to Melbourne. Like what's been the, like are you, are you a fan of the town yet or how are you, how are you settling in? Yeah, I like it. Obviously, it's, uh, it's a little different. There's a lot more going on. But um, yeah, I think the running is pretty good. I was a little skeptical, I guess, of how good the running would be, especially um, Coffs Harbour, or where I grew up, Crindai Beach, is a, a small town where it was basically had like a 3K bike path loop around the town, and that was it, and there was maybe like 400 people, I think there was 80 something people in my primary school, so it was pretty small, yeah. and the running was okay, but you kind of had to drive anywhere, so until I got my license, I, I was just kind of stuck around this this loop running, um, when I moved to Canberra, obviously the running is pretty good there, you've got a uh, strong low cross-country course, and um, a bunch of really good running pretty close to the city and I really doubted that the running would be good here obviously being such a big city but um, yeah I've really liked it so far Did obviously. you ever train with Kyle Simons? Um, I never trained with him actually um, I'm pretty sure I stayed in Falls Creek with him one year so Is that right? Okay because yeah. he's, a, he's a good mate of mine I, uh, I met him through uh, Joe Carmody years and years uh-huh. ago and he sort of stepped up to the race scene and I remember the first day I met him I would, I'd been training my ass off for years and I think I'd got my PB down to about a 415 uh-huh. over 1500 and I remember Kale he was a couple of years younger than me stepped up in like the biggest fattest pair of New Balance shoes to the start line and um, he came out came third in the state champs in 413 and I almost handed him my resignation to the sport that day <laughs> I'd been busting my ass but um, it's, he's produced some talent up that way because the reason I ask is because Kyle used to train with, with yeah. Dick I think must uh, have been a couple of years before you yeah yeah but there was uh, oh completely blanked on her last name Lisa Corrigan Lisa Corrigan uh-huh. like she was up there as well and yep. he's produced some good talent eh? like what was it about his, his training do you reckon that sort of yeah I think so many um, people is it was like uh, it's it's very like scientific based, I guess, but he kind of like dumbs it down so that um, anyone can understand it. And I think that was what I really appreciated. Um, and yeah, I guess it was either like move to Melbourne or move to Canberra for me, coming from Coffs Harbour. Just Canberra was that little bit closer, so I could still get back and see family, and they could see me. And um, yeah, just like a few of the friends that I grew up with running ended up moving down to Canberra for ANU and for their studies. Um, and just found Dick and we're training with Dick so I think like all of those factors kind of led me towards Canberra but yeah it was just I think the training was probably more aerobic for a 1500 runner it was kind of obviously him being like a marathon coach um, he was and he coaches Shelley at the time and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff and he had a few marathoners in Canberra at the time um, so I was always kind of doing longer work um, and I think that's naturally what I respond really well to so I was running good 1500s off it, but um, that's obviously the reason why I could run good 5Ks without even really focusing on it was I probably was focusing on it. I just didn't know it. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that kind of training just clicked for me and it's, it's clicked for a few others. But obviously training is so individual that I don't think it's necessarily a training more so that it's the individual and if that training suits them. So 
Yeah, that's a good um, point. And I don't think it was so interesting to hear you talk before because I, I know your PBs over the over the distances, like over uh, sort of 1,500 to 5K, but I couldn't believe it that Axel before you telling me that you had a background in sort of 400 to 800 metre yeah. running. I actually, when I was up in Sydney last week, actually the last guest on here was James Gurr. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Gurr was telling me the same thing. He said that from his background was as a 400 metre guy, spent some time yep. in the States and like obviously he maxed out at sort of sort of 800 meters but your range is is incredible like what what do you say you you'd run for 400 and 800 yeah i ran 48 eight in high that's school that's disgusting so. <laughs> <laughs> um i never I, I feel like i've always been pretty good at like the under distance of whatever i'm focusing at but never really like hit it right with whatever i was focusing so i feel like as a 48 eight runner you should be able to run quicker than 148 and i never did and then, like, as a, a 148, 48 runner, I felt like I should have run quicker than 337 in the 15 and, and never did. So I never really, like, translated in the distance I was focusing to, which was, um, I, I found kind of strange. I guess now maybe 337 and, and 1320 is kind of, um, it correlates well to each other. So um, I think that was definitely my sweet spot, and I found that that's, that's my distance. But, um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get back down to... 148, but I really wish I ran a little bit quicker <laughs> when I had that 48 second speed. Just so. for the bragging rights, yeah. yeah. Mate, it's already a bragging right in the distance running scene as well. I can't imagine, yeah, you should go up to Ballarat and have a run around with Montegetti and stuff because that'd be uh, that'd be glorified, that kind of speed amongst <laughs> amongst yeah, that crew up there. They say Ballarat is the home of Australian distance running, so I really wish I could get out there sometime. And Mate, you should run. get up there. You should yeah. get up, especially with what you were telling me about the pace that you do your, yeah, your long yeah. runs out at the moment. I, I moved up there in 2000 and I think it was 2007. Yeah, it was 2007 to, to do some uni. Uh-huh. And I remember, um, I thought, oh, this is going to be fantastic. I'm going to get a chance to train with Steve Monaghetti and Collis Birmingham. And um, like Matt Griffin was up there at the time. He was a great 800 meter guy. And um, I remember getting there and going out for the first Sunday long run. And Nate Hardigan was just there, amped <laughs> up, ready to go. And it was like an hour 45 run, which was a new distance to me. I'd, I'd sort of done like an hour 15, hour and a half to the time. I thought I'd be fine. It's like 15 minutes. Yep. But I reckon <laughs> 400 metres 400 meters into the run, I'm thinking, okay, we've got an hour 44 <laughs> and, uh, you know, 15 seconds to go. Yep. And this pace is cracking. Like we, yeah, were, yeah. we were motoring along. So I'm not sure what it was about Ballarat, whether it was the – I think like there's a little bit of a placebo around the 400 meters altitude yeah, or whatever yeah. it is, but the boys they just run <laughs> at a ridiculous pace, and it's like the ones who don't break seem to be the ones who yeah, break yeah. records. Like Montegetti yeah. is just like the I don't I don't think that man can break. <laughs> what is, he's 97 now and he's still beating me. <laughs> yeah, it's um that's pretty incredible for sure. I mean, I think the difference why I can do those like hard long runs. It's because in our group and what, what I've been taught is to kind of like build up throughout the wrong kind of thing. So it's only after like that hour mark that I really start to push it. But I think if someone pushed a pace in the first kilometre or two, I'd be done as well. You're still warming up. That's <laughs> what I always remember actually going out for a run with, uh, with the Huffers when I was in high uh-huh. school. And uh, I remember we were always so competitive and I remember me and Dean just, uh, I don't know what it was, I was just tagging along, like, I looked at the times that Dean had run at that time, and I thought, okay, I'm just trying to keep up with this bloke. Uh-huh. So we got going for that first K and a half, and it was like, all right, it's ready to go. And, like, little junior half Craig was nowhere yeah. to be seen. And we looked around, and he's 200 metres behind. And Dean's like, mate, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm still warming up. <laughs> like, he had no trouble on the back end of the run, you know. Yeah, yeah he still does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got some long legs to warm up. I know. Far out, man. Um... Dude, pumped to, pumped to be able to have a sit down with you and, and just fire a few questions about about training and diet and the injury and everything that I, I know you're sort of at least a little bit familiar with. Yeah. Um, before we get started, though, like just speaking about the, the times and stuff that you've run. So 13.20 is is the PB on paper, uh-huh. but what you told me before about the night you ran 13.30 and realised you might be able to be a pretty decent 5K <laughs> runner is a is a story that I'd love everyone out there to hear because I'm not, I follow the running scene pretty closely uh-huh. and at the time, I can't believe I've missed a night like that because that was a, a pretty incredible story. Can you just can you just run this back over that story again, the, the way you found yeah, out yeah. you could be half a decent 5K <laughs> runner? I mean, I've, I've had a few nights like that, which are probably like my standout results, unfortunately, have been like backing up the two races in one night rather than like hitting one race out of the park um but yeah this this night was um it was interesting i guess because 
at the start of the year I was really focused on running a, a good 1500 and it was um, coming up into the, the Commonwealth Games in 2018 um, and I ended up getting bronchitis for our trials so I was running really well I think I ran not far off my PB uh, in Canberra basically just paced by a few of my training mates so uh, I was in really good shape and I uh, ended up getting sick so I took like maybe a month off <coughs> excuse me um, yeah and just was kind of getting into it um, I think around April uh, and the Canberra Times fun run came up um, or the Australian Running Festival sorry um, and at that time I was kind of just like doing some mileage work doing a few longer repeats and threshold runs and that sort of stuff and I was like um, maybe I'll just like enter the half marathon for a bit of fun and run the half marathon whatever um, and I, I think I ran the half marathon on the 5k that weekend so I think maybe the 5k was the first day on the Saturday and the half marathon was the Sunday so I won both of them at the time so I anything special but the prize money was like 1200 bucks between the two and I was like oh hang on like I'm not in bad shape maybe I'll like consider going over to the US because uh, I didn't really get a season with my sickness in Australia so I looked at flights and they were exactly 1200 bucks and I was like all right, I'll do it, whatever. So booked my flights. I messaged a friend of mine um, in L.A. because I was, I was basically racing, racing Peyton Jordan, um, which is in San Francisco, and then uh, the Oxy High Performance Meet, which is in L.A. Messaged a mate that I just randomly met in Flagstaff one day, and he'd driven from Florida, which is the other side of the U.S., to Flagstaff and was, was camping on the side of the trail in his van. Um, and he ended up uh, getting a job... Um, delivering cookies and, and stocking them in supermarkets and stuff in LA and uh, the guy who ran the, the cookie route um, ended up like housing him and finding him a house and so I stayed with this guy who uh, he was pretty wealthy he had a, a penthouse apartment in Marina Del Rey and a yacht and so I, I crashed with him for three weeks so, so it was, this whole trip was just kind of pretty funny I guess um, so I crashed with him for free uh, he cooked me dinner every night got to go out on his yacht <laughs> Um, picked me up from the airport, all of that. So, pretty uh, cost-effective trip at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, wind and dine. I just thought, well, why not, you know, just go have a few races. I'm in okay shape. I uh, don't really expect anything out of it. Um, and while I was there, obviously, I just had the two races, so I decided to just enter as many events as I could. So, entered the 1500 and the 5K at um, both Peyton Jordan and Oxy. Um, and then I ended up getting stuck in the, the B heat for the 1500, which I was a little disappointed with. Ended up being slow, and I think I closed in 55 for the last lap or something like that. So uh, I was really happy with that, but the time wasn't quite what I wanted to run. Um, and so I called coach, and I explained to him, you know, the race was kind of slow. I won. I was pretty happy with that. Um, do you think I could run the 5K? And he's like, oh, no, I don't think it's that good an, an idea. You know, uh, it's, it's not long after the 1500. It's only about 40 minutes. Um, I was like, all right, coach, I'll just go and warm down. Um, so I hung up, I put my joggers on, and I started jogging up and down uh, next to the track. Um, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to run the 5K. <laughs> um, and at that time, so I was putting the B-Race 5K as well, and at that time an announcement came over the, the speakers. It said, uh, due to a few people pulling out, I've decided to put both the races together for the 5K. And I was like, all right, all right, it's going to be pretty quick then. Um, so I just jumped on the line. Felt like shit for the first two laps because I was kind of still recovering from the 1500. And I just sat at the back, sat at the back, and um, I just started kind of picking off people and moving up, moving up. Um, and I don't remember what we went to, 3K and maybe like 807 or 808 or something like that. Um, and the wheels fell off the last kilometre or so. And a few people passed me, but I ended up running 1332, I think it was, uh, 40 minutes after, <laughs> after the 1500. Um, and then I called my coach back. Uh, and straight away he just knew he goes ah so you run the 5k didn't you <laughs> I was like yeah he's like okay what do you run I was like oh 13, 32 he's like oh okay okay um, and so we we spoke about uh, running the 5k potentially at the, the next meet and he, he really wanted me to run the 15 so I had maybe 10 days between um, and I don't regret that because I ended up running a PB in the 1500 which is still my PB at the moment, 3.37.5, um, I think I came second in that race too. And the 5K didn't end up being as quick as what I ran at Peyton Jordan. Um, so, yeah, out of that trip, I, I got to win the 1,500 at Peyton. I, I ran a PB in the 5K and a PB in the 15 and came home pretty happy. Jeez. So how many 5Ks have you ran? Um, 
I mean, now I've run a few like low key races, um, but really I've run Peyton Jordan this year. I ran London Diamond League this year, but I was pretty injured at the time, so ended up pulling out halfway through. Uh, I ran ACT National Champs, Sydney Track Classic National Champs, and then I guess that Peyton Jordan B race in 2018, so maybe five. So far around, man. So amongst that five. We were saying before, like, to run a 13.30, even after a 3.43, like the closing, I, I, I get that it's probably not a balls-to-the-wall kind of uh-huh. pace for you, but at the same time, to, to run a few seconds outside your PB for 1,500, then 40 minutes later to back up and run a 13.30, that's uh, that's exciting prospects for the future. Is it, how old are you, 24, 25? 25, yeah. 25, man. So the, like, you've got a, a good few years up your sleeve to really to really have a crack at it. Is that the, is that the main focus from here, here on in, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, next year with the Olympics upcoming, um, the 5K is definitely the focus. And then after that, I guess I'll re- reassess and maybe consider running more 5K, 10K. Um, and I kind of train like 5K, 10K more so than 15, 5K especially at the moment. So I think maybe I'll consider 5K, 10K and then uh, see how I'm going into that next Olympic cycle. Otherwise, probably push out to the marathon and, and give that a go. Sure. So how long do you have left to qualify for, uh, for next year's Olympics? Um, I'm not sure when the qualification ends. They've changed the system. So it's, ah, yep. yeah, it's the ranking system rather than the, the standard um, time system. So uh, it's a little bit confusing and I don't think really anyone's got quite a grasp on how it's going to work um they were supposed to trial it last year and they ended up just pulling the pin on it and saying oh we're just going to use it for the olympic year so um i mean they've had the ranking system up online for for the past year so you can kind of see if that was in place where you would be respectively so um i think i've been in the top 40 for the whole year so uh, they take 42 to the olympics yeah sure um so basically i just need to stay in that top 40, 42, um, and do the same thing that I've done this year. And, uh, it should see me at the Olympics, hopefully. But Yeah, and Huff was telling me something about, well, you've got your dual citizenship with... Yeah, so... So what's the story there at the moment? I'm not even going to try and introduce the story because I'll, I'll, I'll butcher it completely. So what's the... Yeah. I know I know that Malta and Australia is involved, uh-huh, and yeah. that's about the extent of my knowledge. Uh, my, my father is Maltese and my grandfather... Um, his, his dad was Maltese as well, and his mum. So, um, yeah, I grew up pretty close to my grandpa. Uh, he lived across the street from me, and he was pretty into my sport as well. I played soccer a lot as a kid, and uh, him and his dad coached my soccer side and would come down and, and support me every weekend. And then when I got more into running, they, they would obviously support me in that. So um, they were a big part in my, my upbringing. Um, so I decided to get my dual citizenship for Malta. Uh, and then recently my grandpa passed away with cancer and uh, I would always I, I told him as a young kid that I would run for Malta eventually and I always thought that it would be you know the end of my career um, the standards are a little different for, for Malta than, than Australia so I always thought at the end of my career obviously I'd just go to the marathon and, and switch over and run a few races for Malta and do him proud but um, yeah I ended up uh, I, I knew he was sick for the past few years and ended up getting the opportunity to run at a, a small meet called the Games of Small States of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's seven countries, I think, uh, Cyprus, Montenegro, Malta, Luxembourg, Monaco. Um, and, yeah, I ended up running that this year for Malta, and he passed away about a month later. So, um, yeah, I was pretty thankful to be able to run for Malta and for him to see me run for Malta um, before he passed. And then I decided to, to switch my allegiance, so from... From here on in, um, representing Malta, I can claim some of the Maltese national records and, um, yeah, hopefully be at the Olympics for Malta. Yeah, that's exciting, man. I had a little sneak peek at the Maltese <laughs> national records as well before you came on today, and I think, uh, I think they're in some trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the marathon was, um, and it's nothing to laugh at, but compared to what I imagine you'll run in the next few years, the 226 for a marathon... Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I think it's fourteen thirty something for the fourteen. So I would have held the Maltese national record for the five k, <laughs> which is. <laughs> but they're in some trouble, man. Now that's that's really exciting. And was it a um, like was it a difficult decision to make? Obviously, with the uh, with your heritage and stuff, I, yeah. I, I get that as well. I got family from Montenegro, and uh-huh. um, I always flirted with the idea that if I ever got good enough, like the uh-huh. idea of, of doing that side of your family proud was was attractive yeah. to me as well. Um, uh, yeah, Serbia is is sort of where my family's from, but that that general yeah. area. Um, uh, yeah. So how did how did that go? So from a family side of yeah. things, I can imagine it was exciting, but from a 
uh, maybe a personal what you imagined yourself running in, yeah, in the yeah. future, it would have been a little bit of a difficult thing to toy with. Yeah, it was, it was difficult. Obviously, like I'm, I'm proud to be Australian and I'm, I'm equally as proud to be Maltese. And mm-hmm. um, I guess that's like what my pop and my dad instilled in me is to be proud to be Maltese as well. And um, if anyone's followed my career and just followed me as a person, they, they obviously know that I like to be a little different and uh, do things a little differently. And um, that was one thing in school growing up that, that made me different to everyone else, um, and which I, I thought was really cool. Um, so I knew the opportunity was there and I'd actually been speaking to the president of Maltese Athletics since 2012 I think so <laughs> I've been talking to him for quite some time and knew that I would have to make this decision at some point mm-hmm. um, and I, I was a little worried that, you know, what the community might think um, obviously my, my own community around me but also the running community um, and I guess the, the main concern I thought that they would have is that I was just taking the easy way out and obviously um, there's, there's only three spots for each country so uh, it's quite difficult to make top three spots in Australia but also run the standard and for Malta uh, because it's such a small nation they essentially get a wild card to all major championships so because no one runs the standards or jumps the standards um, they just get one position that they can give to someone mm-hmm. um, so initially I thought that everyone would just think you know he's just going just to to make a team and get that wild card spot um, so it came at a good time I guess when I won the Australian champs and I qualified and um, I was technically named on the team for Australia that then the decision meant that do you either want to run for Australia or run for Malta and um, yeah I just ended up uh, with my grandpa passing deciding that I would like to run for Malta and run the rest of my career for Malta. So Yeah, that's exciting, man. That's one of those things as well. As you said, yeah, the, the icing on the cake was actually winning the Australian national title. Yeah, but, just proving um, that I could qualify. E- exactly. Yeah. And I was going to say, with the, with the quality performances that you had, I don't think anyone would doubt that um, you've beat the best. Like, who, yeah. who else have you got to beat in Australia that you haven't beat yet? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. it's... Uh, yeah. it's uh, Anyone who anyone who denies that's just they're kidding themselves essentially, yeah. which is which is a cool place to be for you. Yeah, um, it's funny you said that actually as well because the the games of small states is in Montenegro this year. So is that right? Yeah, I but I've never actually time, been, man. but it looks beautiful. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's really nice. So so uh, Jesse and I we lived in we lived in London yeah, for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and there was a little while that we were flirting with the idea of of going to spend a month in Montenegro. Uh-huh. Um, and I wouldn't rule it out in the future, but for for whatever reason we we didn't get a chance yeah. to to get down there but um, I've seen some of the photos of the like yeah. the mountains surrounding the, the, beach the place and, yeah, and it's just yeah. man it looks incredible well, I, I posted a few photos on my Instagram story and all the, the responses I got were oh, Malta's treating you really well like, <laughs> this looks like a nice holiday I'm like I'm, I'm racing as well but <laughs> so I was just sitting back on the beach and the mountains you well, know, what is it like running over there? Um, it, was, it was really good I mean the, the competition was a little um, because it it's kind of like an Olympic style competition, I guess, where it's not just athletics in this this small game. So, I think it was tennis, basketball, swimming, um, maybe sailing. There's a bunch of different sports, but um, because they didn't build the facilities, obviously for the meet, um, the the swimming pool was like an hour and a half's drive on this like mountain windy road. <laughs> um, and the track was like an hour and a half and then the basketball was an hour and a half in the opposite direction we were like three hours from the airport so um, yeah it was, it was really interesting but um, yeah the village didn't really let me see too much because the running was just you know up and down a bike path along the beach so, um, but yeah I mean I got to see a lot with, with our hour and a half drive to the I can imagine the athletics track so it was really nice but I, I really wish that I got up into the mountains a little bit more and did a bit more running through there but um, it's a little difficult when you have races coming up to to run that sort of terrain, and I ended up running the five k, ten k, and fifteen hundred in three days at that meet. Um, so I needed all the rest I could get. I can imagine, man, and they would have been offering up some pretty sweet. What is it, Rakia in that part of the world, or Slivovich? Yeah, the, something like that. The, yeah, yeah I, we we spent some time in Greece, and every every dinner they would they would come out after your meal and like off here just a, yeah, a little yeah. bit of slip of it and I've never seen my wife so excited on life <laughs> as after a meal with a with a bottle of rakia in her hand yeah. so man I can imagine that's going to be the new celebration drink but <laughs> but that's that's for later that's for later in the conversation what I'm interested at is um is uh, just speaking about training where you're at at the moment and, and uh-huh. what's on the schedule because um you, you actually you mentioned earlier you mentioned that just anyone who's followed your career they they sort of understand that you've done things a little bit differently uh-huh. um 
which I like. Like I'm, a, I'm always a little bit of a fan of the the, the outside of the someone who doesn't just follow along with yep. with the grain of, of how things have been done. But but what are a couple of things for those who, who might not have heard of you yet that um, you think you might be a little bit known for in terms of doing things differently? Um, I guess just not like following the the traditional footsteps of like how to become a professional athlete, and I I'm not quite there yet. I'm earning enough, I guess, to to live off from running but I'm not driving a fancy car or anything like that and um, I mean I don't think too many people in athletics are it's not really a sport that's known for that but um, yeah I guess like you either go to college or you join a, a good group in Australia and the group to to join if you are looking to be a professional runner is um, Nick Badeau's group with the Melbourne Track Club and um, yeah I mean I just kind of like to show people that there are options um, to do it differently than those two options. Um, I'm a, a big mama's boy and love my family and I don't think I could live in the US and be away from them for so long and, and travel for so long so um, they really weren't too much of an option for me. I didn't really consider uh, going to college and um, yeah I guess just doing it a little differently and staying in Australia for a lot of the year and um, now I did join a US group and training by correspondence and just, just doing those little things differently and still being able to compete and be competitive with, with some of Australia and hopefully in the years to come the world's best um, from where I grew up and, and from what I've done uh, hopefully just is, is um, you know just shows some, some younger kids that there are options and different ways to do things than just the traditional path so um, and just having fun with it as well. You see a lot of different groups and individuals being very serious. Um, and I don't know if anyone follows uh, my team that I joined, Tin Man Elite, but um, they're a very fun bunch of guys who just like to enjoy themselves and have a bit of a laugh rather than be too serious. So, um, yeah, this is kind of what I'm trying to, to show. So how does that work? So so they're based in, do you say they're based in Colorado? Colorado yeah. So they're based in Colorado. So um, And it's quite a small group. Mm-hmm. Did you say is it Tin T I N or Team 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 Tin Man Elite? Yeah. yeah, sweet. So how does uh, so how does that sort of work? Because obviously, um, people look at running as an individual sport, which it is. Uh-huh. Like once you're on the start line, but I think like part of the beauty of the sport is is just being able to go out and have a chat with your mates and have uh-huh. a run around and um, you know have that little bit of incentive to chase after. So how yeah. how's that process been for you, especially? Since moving down to Melbourne, away from your group, and not necessarily having a, a core group to, to run with necessarily, I know the great man Huff's looking after you a bit, or you're looking after him. I'm not sure which way that goes. Um, yeah, what, what does that process look like? How do you, how's your training look at the moment? Yeah, the the thing that I guess sold me a lot on on the group um, and the coaching style was that um, so the the team in Colorado is now I think twelve guys. When I first joined, it was maybe like five or six. Um, but the coach himself, uh, who we get the, the name from, his nickname is Tin Man, uh, Tom Schwartz, um, was actually living in, in uh, Boise, Idaho at the time. So he was coaching the whole team by correspondence. So we use an app called Final Surge. And he basically just writes down the program. And um, once we upload uh, Garmin Connect, it just shoots off all the data to him. Um, and he's able to see all our activities. And then we just report back to him. But... Um, I guess just knowing that all those guys had the results that they had um, coached by correspondence uh, from him I knew that uh, he obviously had a pretty good formula and um, yeah it was working for those guys so that was kind of why I thought that it could work for me being based in Australia and um, I don't have too much trouble with motivation or getting out the door I really do love running so um, that's a big part of it as well I guess is being able to run by myself a lot of the time but it's made it easier for a group of guys down here I've been training with Craig Huffer and, and Sam McEntee and Matty Clark and a few other guys are meeting up for long runs with a bunch of guys in Melbourne so um, yeah they do make it a lot easier just to enjoy my running rather than just running repetitively by myself which does get a little boring sometimes so um, yeah it's been been good so far I think it's a, a routine that I can manage and, and still compete relatively well on the world stage by doing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting, man. And the, uh, you mentioned just the, um, I guess, the traditional training method that's used. It's not even just here, it's all around the world, mm-hmm. I guess, the, the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions. Um, yeah. 
uh, with a couple of long runs, a couple of easy runs in between. It's a well, it's a formula that works for a lot of people, but um, for for some people, I think it can be one of those things that it's just what's always been done. So I like the yeah, fact yeah. that you step out and question it a little bit and go, actually, like what. What is it that I actually need, and so yeah. so what is a what is like an average training week for you for you now? Like, mm-hmm. a, um, even if you walk us through where you're at at the moment, I know you're, you're doing something yeah. a bit differently to what you usually would be, but from where you are now to um, to like a full blown training week, what mm-hmm. does that kind of look like? Um, so yeah, I kind of I've been training more off like obviously with the US um, team, I've been training more off. I guess it's more of a US style based uh, training method. I know they use it a lot in the college system, which is two days a week uh, workouts, which is Tuesday, Friday. Um, and then a little bit more focus on a, a solid long run as another key training session. Um, so you still kind of get the three training sessions in there, but um, it's just not as jam packed in the week. So it allows you a little bit more time for recovery. Um, so at the moment, I'm probably running around 120 kilometers a week, uh, just on single runs, so no, no afternoon runs. <laughs> yes. um, so regular week would go Monday, 60 minutes, pretty easy. Um, Tuesday workout, which kind of. And what's to... what's easy for for Jordan Gusman? What do you what are we talking about numbers? Are we talking. Uh, about? I actually I used to run a lot harder, but they kind of taught me in the US to run pretty easy. So sure. uh, around like 4:45. Yeah, sure. Okay. Pace, so. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll get down to like 4.30s but not not really that much quicker especially coming back off the Sunday long run a lot of people think that you reset and start the week again fresh on a Monday morning but um, after Sunday I'm usually pretty tired so <laughs> Monday's pretty easy um, Tuesday we do some like threshold intervals so something like uh, 5 by a mile or something like that uh, Wednesday easy 60 minutes Thursday easy 60 minutes um, where I have started to build up to run through Studley Park um, over some hills for 75 minutes at the moment uh, Friday workout which would be like a long threshold run mm-hmm. 8 to 10 kilometers Saturday easy 60 minutes and then Sunday I've built up to an hour 45 now um, so that's been good enough to get 120 kilometers of running um, that's probably where I'll stay for a few more weeks and then start to add in some double runs and um, then the week kind of changes a little bit um, so in full-blown training, I would do 30 minutes every afternoon, so that mm-hmm. would be the first edition. Um, Is that seven days a week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just pretty slow, like 5 to 5.15 pace, um, just strictly recovery. And um, Some people would say it's junk mileage, I suppose, but uh, I do find that I feel a lot better um, the next day just from flushing the legs out and jogging a little bit. So I would do that and then head to the gym a few times a week, um, which would be my addition uh in the next few weeks, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then the only other things that really change is on Monday, um, we would do 60 minutes, but we add in uh, 10 by 20 second strides, um, with either 20 seconds or 40 seconds recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 seconds are like somewhere between like 1500 and 3K intensity. Um, so it's a continuous run, we don't change shoes or anything, but just kind of picking up the legs and um, coach really thinks that's a good kind of recovery method um, just kind of getting the legs to, to loosen up through that range of motion um, just kind of jogging you just kind of shuffle around so picking up the legs a little bit more just helps the blood flow and the muscles loosen up and that sort of thing and get you in the rhythm and ready for Tuesday's workout um, and then in the workout normally there's, there's three elements so at the moment I'm just kind of doing the first element uh, which is the bulk of the session um, but we would add in hills and then some fast strides at the end. So the hills would be at maybe 3K to 5K intensity and anywhere between 30 to 40 seconds. Um, and then the strides would be between 15 to 30 seconds and usually at mile intensity, so pretty hard to finish off. Um, and that's usually any session. So we'd do 8 by K, 5 by 5 minutes, 5 by mile, um, track workouts, and then we would do hills and strides at the end. And the same with threshold run. On a Friday afternoon, we might do two by three mile or six mile, seven mile threshold run and then finish off with hills and strides. So that's something that's a little different to uh, what most people traditionally do. Um, And then usually Thursday, we would just put in some hill work as well. So um, out of season, we would do strides again on Thursday. And then in season, we would tend to do 10 by 10 to 15 second short sprint hills just in the middle of our run. So... That one we would usually stop, change into flats and, um, yeah, really push up the hills and kind of jog back down and try and build a little bit of power um, and then 
obviously the afternoon run just helps you recover that little bit for for the Friday uh, morning workout. Yeah, yeah. Where are you doing your hills and stuff around here? Because Melbourne's a relatively flat kind of place. I know Anderson yeah. Street on the hill's got a reputation, uh-huh. but it's quite, like, what, it's 300 metres long or something, which is, yeah. which is pretty decent. But yeah, where do you get to, to do yeah, those ones? Yeah, usually Anderson Street if I'm doing a workout. Yeah, um, down the hilly Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we're doing, like... Um, so I guess another thing with, with the training is that we never really do like K repeats or mile repeats. It's always like three minutes or five minutes or, mm-hmm. or four minutes. So it's like a time-based rep. So you can kind of do it anyway. You don't have to have a flat section. You don't have to keep going out and back on the same section. Um, but I usually do do my three minutes down at the town just because it is easy to do the hill work on Anderson Street. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I haven't really done too much hill work just with my injuries at the moment, holding yeah. me back a little bit. So um, yeah, I'll be looking to add them in probably the coming months as well um, and just start to build up that long run and start pushing that a little bit more and um, yeah that should be what what I aim to hit and then hold throughout the season next year yeah nice and how's the how is the body holding up at the moment it looks bloody fit I saw you walk into Axel before I thought hang on a second this bloke looks ready to run like he it's it's not too bad my back is still playing up a little bit um, hips still a little bit sore but um, my foot, which is the major worry, I had a stress reaction in my sesamoid, um, has been pretty good. I got some orthotics made up, um, and Dean and Karen down at South Yarra, the one team, spine, the one team, <laughs> been helping me out a lot. Um, and then I seen Richard Squires this morning as well. Champion, so. mate, he's got magic thumbs on him as well, doesn't <laughs> he? Yeah, so, so that team has really helped me out um, the past two months, and I've probably been in there once or twice a week every week since I've been back home. So. Um, I was thankful last week when Karen said, all right, see you in six weeks. And I said, oh, yes. Yeah, you're the Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the reception team, uh, I walk in, they go, ah, back again. Like, yes. <laughs> they're just making fun of me at this point. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good to, good to get out of there a bit. And the body's holding up well at the moment. So as I start to build back into thing and hopefully add those double runs in and get in the pool and do a little bit more recovery work. At, um, Dean's been helping me a lot with the strengths program, which um, Karen has actually been impressed with. Because she said that I was just about as strong as a bike girl on me. Was that her words? So, classic, yes. classic. They're fine words, Karen. So I've been getting a little bit stronger. I've been, <laughs> been really working on that as well. So I think it's all going in the right direction. Hopefully I'm stronger than ever and and healthier than I have been in a long time so now I just need to get the fitness back and, and look to the future yeah so where are you going to start doing your strength work will you do that down at the sport and spine or are you um, I've just I've kind of been just doing like body work exercises honestly so I just yeah. bought like a medicine ball and been doing a bit at home or down at the Glen Ferry rec centre so yeah yeah, go down there and. Um, I love like the Glenferry Rick Center. I just I can't yeah. justify spending twenty five bucks a week when I just want the gym. I know. Well, I, I get free access to the um, with a Swinburne student card. Oh, bro! So I, mean, I, I actually think... haven't. I, I registered and signed up for Swinburne um, and enrolled in my first semester. Got the student card and then I was going overseas, so I just <laughs> deferred. So I haven't actually taken a class here. Yet. That is perfect. Did you have um, to pay for your class? No. So I, Mate, I feel out. like you've just given me an idea because it is a beautiful leisure center. Exactly. The, only, the only thing is you only get free access to the, the pool. Oh, um, okay. So I kind of like sneak into the gym sometimes. <laughs> um, but I, I use the pool a lot as well. Another element of our training is coach, if we don't want a double run, um, coach likes us to get in the pool and have a job. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that a few times a week, which people traditionally think is, you know, only what you do when you're injured. Um, and I don't really like thrash it out and try and get my heart rate up and do a workout or anything. Just it, treat it the same as like a, an easy double run. So mm. I would just jump in the pool and do an easy aqua jog for 20 or 30 minutes. And sometimes I, I do my double run and then jump in the pool after because there's something about it with that motion through the water um, that just helps the body recover. So Yeah. yeah um, it's, it's one thing I think a lot of athletes, even at an elite level, like I, when I say elite, I, I guess once you get to your level, it's something that everyone's looking for one percenters. But mm-hmm. um, at the level I run at, which was, um, I don't know what you would call it. it was I guess it was national level in the sense that I race around Australia, but it wasn't uh-huh. international level where you are. I think I started to really look at, okay, where can I improve and where can I... Um, sort of chip some time away and I think the recovery element uh-huh. it's still so overlooked amongst a, a yeah, lot of athletes yeah, sure. it's it's I, I don't know how you go just speaking to you it sounds like you, you like you got an incredible understanding of, of the importance of it and far yeah. I wonder because you've the times you have but um it's 
like what are some of the recovery methods that, that you implement? Because I think it's it's so it's got the reputation running of like as long as you do more and you do it harder yeah. and you just keep doing that, then you'll be fine. Yeah. But then also a lot of athletes break. Yeah. Um, so so some of the some of the elements for, for any junior runners listening to this uh-huh. um, that would love to pick your brain on around recovery. Like what are some of the things that you implement? Yeah, well, I think like I think it is very important and one of one of the most overlooked um, aspects of recovery or elements of recovery is sleep first and foremost. Mm. Um, so I try to get nine hours, ten hours sleep um, each night, and I think that's what you do. Like you're, you're most recovering and your body builds back up. Um, and, and restores the muscles and, and whatnot. So I think that's probably the most overlooked one is generally just sleep. Um, but the other ones, I, I tend to jump in like a sauna or a spa a few times a week, jump in the pool to aqua jog a few times a week, and then uh, I tend to do my rolling and stretching and that sort of stuff most mornings before before I run and most nights before I go to bed. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I really did struggle with. I never used to stretch, never used to roll or anything like that. Um, and still sometimes it's kind of the thing where if you're tired after a workout or a run, you can kind of be a little lazy and a little slack and think, oh, I don't need to do that, you know. Like it's it's 15 minutes that I can spend doing something else. But it is really important. And um, I think, yeah, the main key for just improving in running is consistency. And mm. um, my injuries were just some unlucky uh, things that happened this year I don't think it's from overuse or anything like that um, and I have been lucky to stay pretty healthy for most of my career just from taking the time to do a lot of that stuff so um, yeah it is really important to be able to stay consistent and keep running day in day out because that's that's the thing over all the hard work that's going to help you get to that next level and to, to be an elite runner is just um, being able to do what you do each day um, and that just comes down to recovering and feeling good so that you can do it the next day so um, it is probably the most important element of track and field I would say is recovery Consistency is an interesting thing in, not even just when it comes to track and field just in life in general is uh-huh. the quickest way yeah. to get fit and the quickest way to lose yeah. weight and the quickest way to get smart and mm-hmm. um, I think that yeah, you're right. The best athlete seems to be the one that just understands that it's. Um, I think it was Monaghetti who, who uh, had like the phone book theory. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Deke maybe. Where yeah. yeah, like yeah, it's quite easy to rip a page of a phone book, but um, like once you get a whole page, like a whole book together, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the uh-huh. training symbolic of the or the page is symbolic of the training. Yeah, it's a lot easier to break down. Yeah, um, I think it's like it's something that sounds pretty cliche, and you hear everyone say is you know consistency is the most important thing, um, but. Yeah, I mean, this past year since seeing Karen and her sorting out um, my sinus infection and that sort of thing, um, I hadn't been sick in a year, and that was I used to get sick like four or five times a year and take mm-hmm. three or four weeks off, uh, and then kind of build back to where I was and never really like capitalize on my fitness because I'd always get sick leading into a competition or something like that. Um, and this past year, aside from the injuries I had, um, yeah, I was relatively healthy for most of it, um, and I would say. Right now, I, my workouts were easier. I was training less per week, two times a week instead of three times a week. Um, but I was just kind of... I didn't even have really the same intensity that I had in training when I was in Canberra, but um, just making sure that I did everything and got it all done um, over a certain amount of time, which was probably like six to eight months uninterrupted. Yeah. Um, I was able to run what I did, which is you know better than I ever have before. Um, and I look back at that and think, okay, there was not one workout that stood out as, geez, I'm going to run something special, you know. It was just doing 8 by k at 3-minute K pace kind of thing or 5 by mile at like 3.10 pace, at, you know, threshold pace. Um, that sort of thing over and over and over again rather than, okay, I'm going to have four weeks of running 8 by k at 2.50 pace, which, mm. yeah, sure, it's going to get me fitter in short term. Um, but is it sustainable? No, I'm probably going to break down and get sick or get injured. Um, and then where am I going to be in six weeks on the sideline rather than, you know, racing something? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just found taking a step back and honestly taking everything a little bit easier and relaxing a little bit more, not stressing about, you know, trying to find those five seconds per K in this Mm -hmm. session and that session and just taking as it comes. And, you know, if you feel good one day, you can push it a little bit more, but listen to your body and be smart. It was the main thing that um, has changed for me this year and it's probably the reason why I'm running so well. 
how do you find taking it as it comes? Like, because uh, you seem like a pretty relaxed kind of guy. I know him, you know, for an hour and a half, but um, just to chat to you, like, you seem like a, a, it seems to be a common theme amongst a lot of elite athletes that there's this, it's almost, uh, it, at least on the surface, it appears to be like a really stress free approach to the sport and the idea yeah. of, um, of of just taking it as it comes again, like consistency. Yeah. It sounds good, but it's it, it can be difficult when you yeah, yeah. when you're in like a bit of a lull in terms uh-huh. of um, injury and stuff like what you in sickness, like what you you said you sort of had to deal with. Yeah. Is that something you've worked on, or is that something you feel comes quite naturally to you? Honestly, I I, I say it and I can preach it, but I still find it pretty difficult. Yeah, to, sure. Um, like the, this was probably the hardest two months of my life, honestly, um, in terms of running um, with these injuries because I'd never really been injured before. Um, and obviously it is quite devastating when you build up for something and get sick or get injured or you can't do what you want to do in, in uh, running due to injury. But um, I guess you just like, you just need to enjoy the good times and understand that that doesn't happen so often. And when you do get injured, I guess it makes like those times where you do run well even more significant. Mm. Um, so, I mean... This year, my lows have been lower than ever before, but my highs have been higher than ever before. And mm-hmm. I guess just respecting that running is a sport where you're not always going to be on top in one year. You can be the best in the world, and the next year you could not even make the world champs or the Olympics or whatever. It happens to, to everyone, I guess, once you get to that level. You kind of understand more and more that um, 90% of people that make a world champs or Olympics has probably had something going on in their body and probably... Um, pretty banged up by the time they get there and probably need to take off some significant time afterwards you know there's no no one that's really 100% healthy when they get there and it's just a part of the sport so um, you can do everything you can to try and minimise those injuries but I guess at the end of the day you kind of need to have that attitude of take it as it comes because it mm. happens to everyone so. yeah so do you follow do you follow the AFL at all that's a random question but it's going to make sense in a minute um, I mean I've, I've started to a little bit yeah. um Obviously, being in Melbourne, you yeah, you got to sort of get into it. Um, where I grew up, it was all NRL based. So. Yeah, sure, sure. No, so I was just wondering because um, uh, there's a bloke Dennis Armfield. He used to play AFL here for for Carlton, <laughs> and um, he was on my other podcast, Intention, a, a few weeks back, and he was speaking about the same kind of thing. He said that uh, uh just that just that realization that okay, yeah, it's cool that you're playing at this elite level sport that you've always looked up to, but to oh. know or oh, that reality check of oh, it's not always going to be like this, and there's going to be ups and downs, yeah. even while you're at the top of your form, is a is a tricky thing to, to adjust to. But, uh, mate, this last couple of months for you has been a, a crazy couple of months then with the move and the body and the just uh, I know I know what it's like when you, you move to a new town. Just that alone can be a little bit daunting yeah. and overwhelming. And um, mate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I've got to put you in touch with Al Fahler because uh, yeah. the bloke – he, he'll, he'll, as I said, he'll love you. Uh-huh. Um, and it's funny because he actually, when I was running down there with with him about twelve months ago, it was me, him. He's good match with Modrum. Uh-huh. Um, I think Matty Hills was or, or might still be a part of that that group. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, I said I was doing a couple of runs with Huffa. He's like, mate, get him down. We love Huffa. <laughs> Have you met him? He's like, no, nah, I can just tell. <laughs> so mate, if I if I uh, give him a phone call and say, hey Al, I got. I got uh, Geordie and uh, big, big Huff for you. Yeah, he'll love it. <laughs> Mate, he'll love it. Um, feel free to, I'll edit this part out if you don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> but, uh, um, oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else as well. Um, oh, and uh, yeah, Zach and Newman, there's a, yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned to you the elevator before. Yep. He's, he's one of the boys that runs along there. He'd be, I think he's like 35 or something, 36. Okay. But just a, like a super relaxed kind of yep. guy I have to hook you up with. But um, Mate, that was that was cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. No, thank you. That's awesome. You made the podcast better looking, a bit more wise. That's <laughs> unreal. Um, bro, we'll have to we'll have to touch base later in the year. And mate, you're 400 meters away, so we have got no excuse. I know. Yeah. Um, we'll meet up for a run tomorrow. Oh, seriously, I know. <laughs> I, I, I bloody put my foot in it as well because uh, I was laughing yesterday. Huff said to me, he "Goes, mate, we'll we'll have to line up for a run." I said, "Well, how fast are you running?" And um, he, I don't know what I don't know what he said. Four minutes or something like that. Um, he goes, but go for a run with with yourself. I thought, fire! I'm gonna have to start training just so I can keep up in a training session. You know, I've been too busy focusing on my biceps and my pecs that I'm not sure how good my running form is gonna be. But we'll find out real soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. That was great. Thanks for coming on, man. Really right. appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome, bro. Oh, dude, that was good. Yeah.